It is Locked on Jazz for the 20th of January. Ask LOJ if you're starting a franchise. Markkinen, Mitchell, Gobert, or Kessler. Trade plans, trade ideas, trade thoughts, trade questions, franchise direction. All coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. Thanks so very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free, available for you on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. Please subscribe Hit the bell button on YouTube. Send us a five-star review. Be loving and caring today and do those things. We'd greatly appreciate it. All right, today is Ask LOJ. And is always the case uh, is that you guys do a great job with questions. Some questions are repetitive. So if you hear a question that you submitted and it's not under your name, feel like you should deserve credit for it. Uh, but I appreciate it. Always include the hashtag Ask LOJ, and we get it going. All right, I'm going to go to our first question of the day. It is submitted by... Oh, by me. It's submitted by me. If you're starting a franchise tomorrow, would you take Rudy Gobert or would you take Walker Kessler? This is the discussion that actually we are all having for fun amongst ourselves. Uh, Would you rather have... Rudy Gobert, or would you rather have Walker Kessler if you're starting a franchise? So let me start. If your franchise's goal is to win a championship immediately, I'm starting with Rudy Gobert. He's still going to the Hall of Fame. He's still the three-time defensive player of the year. Minnesota's misusing him. There is some real concern that defensively the league is evolving away from him and that his impact on games is less and less and that Danny Ainge traded him and Justin Zanuck traded him at the peak of his value and got peak value for him. there's That, I think, is probably the real storyline. If I was really to take one of the two right now, starting a franchise, trying to win in the next three years, I still think Rudy's probably the right choice. However, Walker's having a similar defensive impact to what Rudy's had at times in his career, despite being a youngster. And Walker, I think, and this is the most exciting thing about Walker, the number one problem for Rudy, and I remember talking to Spiro Ditas, NBA TV announcer about this last year, was never what he was characterized as, which is as though he was having a problem on the defensive end. The number one problem for Rudy all these years is that when you get in the playoffs and you play switching defenses and they put Terrence Mann on you or they put a smaller guard on you, he was not capable offensively of taking advantage of that mismatch when they start switching. And as we see more and more switching, and particularly in the playoffs we see switching, that was a real detriment. I think the early indicators and what should have us most exciting about Walker Kessler is that with his 
deft touch around the basket, both left-handed and right-handed, I think he's going to be able, and a little jump hook, I think he's going to be able to take advantage of those switches. So if I was starting a franchise, maybe Walker Kessler. And I'll take three first-round draft picks and two, four first-round draft picks, two pick swaps while we're at it. All right, let's go to second question coming in today. Oh, it's for me again. Oh, that's funny. That's weird that they would both come for me. Um, if you're starting a franchise tomorrow, would you take Lowry Markkinen or Donovan Mitchell? I think this is one of the more fascinating discussions you could have on NBA players. Because one, Donovan is a total stud. And he's averaging 30 a game. And he was close to 50, 40, 90 before the slump he's in right now. And he's a total stud. And he has the ball in his hands. And you don't have to go get him the ball to score late in the game. He has it in his hands. And he's able to make plays. And he's awesome. And Lowry Markkinen is seven foot. And there has been a long adage in this league that if you have a choice of a size, you always go size. Now, Greg Oden, Kevin Durant, that didn't work very well. Um, But that has always been the question. Lowry has a massive impact on the game, both offensively and defensively, and Donovan does not. Donovan is one of the 10 best scorers in the NBA. Um, But he's also 6'1", and that actually becomes a problem as he gets deeper into the playoffs and things take place because of the fact that it's super hard to be 6'1". The other one that's going on here is trying to figure out who Lowry really is in this conversation. Over the last, I think, if we take 13 games, if we take it, you know, we could cherry-picking a little bit here. Um, But, you know, we might as well not cherry-pick. Let's just take it from December 13th when he comes back. He's, He's averaging 29 points a game. This is the last 17 games. He's averaging 29 points, nine rebounds, an assist. He's shooting 50 40, 90. So if there's some reason to believe that this 17-game stretch of Lowry Markkinen is actually who he is, then this is actually an easy discussion. Then this is actually Lowry Markkinen because he impacts the game defensively, because he's seven feet tall, and because he's averaging 30 points a game at 50, 40, 90. And then he's he's actually in the 10 best players in the league, and he's actually bumping Donovan from the list probably. And you get three first-round draft picks and two pick swaps. I mean, it's crazy. Tony Jones uh, got asked the other day, like, what's a success for the Jazz? Like, oh, the season is a success. You you pivoted. You moved from a team that was didn't seem to be going anywhere. I mean, the only reason I would say here, let's just be totally 100%. The only thing that I find myself at times cringing about this year is that cer- certainly whatever we had last year by the end of the year was somewhat broken. And the decision was made that it wasn't actually able to be put together, okay? And the decision was made that trading Donovan and Rudy, those those were actually the right times to do it and the peak times to do it. So I, I think that's, I think that's, uh, those decisions were all made. The only thing I look at right now is like, okay, Denver and Memphis are the best teams in the NBA West and they're kind of running away with it. Like they just weren't that be- much better than last year's Jazz team. Now, The other side of it, and you go back to last year's trade deadline, is that the Jazz tried to tweak around the edges and just couldn't get anything for their guys. 
They just didn't have options to tweak things. They're right up against the luxury. And so maybe there actually were no adjustments. But I will admit, like, at times I look at, like, this season and go, gosh, if we'd won one more run, what would have happened? We also would have possibly exposed Rudy for having less value and impacting less shots every single year for three straight years. We possibly could have had Donovan walking a year closer to free agency and be worth less. So there's a lot of reasons why that could have been a terrible decision. But then once the decision was made, so once the decision to pivot was made, this season's a raging success. Will Hardy's proved competent, more than competent. Lowry Markin's proved to be an all-star and a bona fide. And if this is who he is, if what we're seeing in the last 15, 17 games since middle of December is who he is, like, forget about it. Like, just fine. Since December, just even add those two games. It's 28 points, 51% from the field, 45% from three, and 91% from the line. 50, 40, 90 in his last 19 games at 28 points a game. Like, oh, you just take him over Donovan. Because he's seven feet tall, impacts the game defensively, and is 50, 40, 90. Now, the one thing is he doesn't have the ball in his hands. He, he, can't, he can't go score on his own. Like, that's not his skill set. All right. I just thought those were fun questions. We were bouncing them around the other day amongst our group. I like to share with you sometimes. Now, let's go to some of your questions, which are awesome also. I, I didn't think the questions today were great just because I came up with them. Which positions were, are lacking as a team and bench to become actual contenders again with available players on the market would fill those roles as a team? So, I don't... So, the first one is we need a point guard. Not because Mike Conley's not fabulous, but because Mike Conley's 35. So... The Jazz really need to make sure that they have a future answer for a point guard. Um, that would be the first position that I think the Jazz have to try to solve as a franchise. Now, Fred Van Vliet gets really interesting. Is that like, do you like him enough? He's 6'1", though. I personally do not think if I was a general manager of a team, I would be going with any point guard that's under six foot four. Or Now, Scoot Henderson gets interesting, but... I really believe very, very strongly the size in which this league is heading. And I don't know that unless you, your six-foot-one guard is Donovan Mitchell and maybe Trey Young, I'm not sure that you can get away with it in this league. Um, so the other part of your question is like, what other pieces? Now, this is where it's tricky. I think if you're really trying to become a contender, you, you need a top-ten player in the league. Okay, well, I don't know if Lowry's there. Real top-ten, like Steph Curry, LeBron James, that kind of player. Um, Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. You still got to have that. Number two, you have to have <clears throat> a shot creator on his own. Lowry's terrific, and he's coming off cuts, and he's coming off actions, and maybe that's maybe you can fi- always find him. But at some point in this league, you need someone who you're giving the ball to at the top, running the old basic pick and roll, getting the switch on whoever you want, and going to work. Like that. That's just still a part of this game. And so you need that player. Those are super hard to come and find. Those are few and far between. Uh, though scoring is up, they're still few and far between. So those, you know, those are the few. Then the rest of them you're just filling, right? You just need, when we're a contender, you need the next version of Malik Beasley. A, a, die, a dead-eye 40% three-point shooter on the outside that spreads the floor. You need, you know, Ochai Abaji to develop into some, some sort of piece of that puzzle. Maybe Colin Sexton is that piece of the puzzle off the bench where you get that burst of scoring that carries you through five minutes in the middle of the game. Who's your... Who's your long defender? Who are your who are your rim protectors? Um, Walker Kessler's one. Do you have a second? Well, it might be Lowry. So you're beginning to get the pieces, but it still takes some real time to get those pieces. Today, uh, th- so you know, it's good, good, great question. Today's show is brought to you in part by 
Our good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Murdoch family's been in Utah for over 80 years, and they're here to serve you. We've got the VIP setup for you at each of the three locations, so if you're going to head over to Murdoch Hyundai, make sure you email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com, and we'll make sure you get that VIP experience. The Hyundai lineup of cars just fabulous. If you're looking for a sedan right now, the Elantra, it was the North American car of the year. The Sonata is the... One level up from that. I've driven it for a long, long time. It was absolutely fabulous. The SUVs are great. We own two of the Santa Fe's. You've got the Palisade, which is the King Poobah that's absolutely gorgeous. And the Kona is the smaller, zippy one with a Tucson right in between. And the electric Ionic has just won Motor Trend Car of the Year. Hyundai, always on the cutting edge, always there for you. Email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. We'll set you up with that VIP meeting. Plus, we'll make sure that you have... Uh, a great experience over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 46, 46 South State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn, LinkedIn Jobs, the place for you to be able to get your uh, hiring is brutal, right? And it takes so much time. And it absolutely, if you've if you're running a small business, it's like literally you stop what you're doing. So LinkedIn, you can get higher qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people of skills, values, experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using the insight from their job post company to their 875 million member profiles to put you post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. So right now, go to LinkedIn jobs and help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Your second listen today, Locked On Sports Today, the 22-minute recap of all things sports to get you up to date. If you have a dog, cat, job, wife, kid, whatever it might be, that means it's impossible for you to be able to uh, follow all things sports. We're there for you. All right, let's go back to the questions on an Ask LOJ Friday. They're great ones. We'll do no. We will not do a... uh, uh, points gained this week because of this. We keep hearing that there's interest in Conley and JC, but I really think this team would benefit in a huge way from keeping them and letting the vets show the new core. How to hoop the right way as we reload. What's your thoughts on that subject? I think this is at the core. It's a great question. I think this is at the core of what's going on with the Jazz front office has to decide. Uh, let's take Mike Conley. In all reality, at 35 years old, Mike Conley is not going to be a part of the Jazz next run for a championship. At the same time, Mike Conley is the thread that holds this fabric together this year. His play has allowed Walker Kessler to be good, whether it's just putting the pass in the right spot at the right time, whether it's spending the time with him after practice on picks, whether it's he put getting Colin Sexton the ball in the right spot. And when we don't have Mike Conley, we feel rudderless. And yet... So the easy answer is, well, then we, and and winning is super fun. And being in close games every night is super fun. And we're doing those things with Mike Conley. And so the, there is a very legitimate thing that's like, we're holding on to Mike. We are definitely getting his contract value right now. He is doing all the right things for us. Um, 
you know, we're better with him on the floor. We're a better team with him than we would be otherwise. So there's just no, there's no debate to that at all. The problem is he's not a part of the team when we're going for it. So if you get offered a first round draft pick that is going to be a part of that group or going to be an asset that you can use, you might have to pull the trigger on that. And then the last 30 games for us gets really discombobulated. But it's, it's a super question. On JC, I think the question's a little bit similar. Like, he's a little younger. He brings. He's really been great this year. We've talked about both those guys this week. Um, and it's a but similar discussion. He relieves such a burden because he can make the plays. Colin doesn't have to be the guy trying to force up shots late. Clarkson can do those things. Clarkson can bail us out when Lowry isn't able to go get a shot because he can play one-on-one. He, he relieves a burden on a ton of guys. And the same thing, I think, if you get offered a first-round draft pick that has value, or I, I think you, you probably have to make that move. You can't say nobody saw Walker's emerge and look at Kevin Pelton's 22 draft board. Apart from blocks, was there anything that stood out from his NCAA stats? I think Pelton had him number three on the draft board, didn't he? Um, I'm going to have dinner with Pelton in uh, Portland, if I can find a dinner reservation. Um and he doesn't disown me for that. I mean, Pelton's on it. The numbers, he, he nailed Rajon Rondo many, many years ago as the first one. He He's off. Gary Payton, the second, was a guy he had, like, through the roof value. It took, like, four years for the league to figure it out. Um, Pelton's great at this stuff. And Walker blocks and rebounds are two numbers that tra- usually translate. Blocks, rebounds, and steals usually translate very well. If you do them in college, pro, you'll do them in college. Where three-point shooting, actually free throw shooting is often a better number to look at. So um, credit given to Mr. Kevin Pelton, willingly, because he's one of my favorite people. Um, If the Jazz make the John Collins trade happen before the trade deadline, what becomes our expectation for the years? Western Conference Finals, then the expectation, or just make it out of the first round, or is it still a 36-month timeline move? Seems like a big win-now type move from Tyler. Thank you. Another great question. My feeling on the John Collins move is it's still a 36. If the Jazz acquire John Collins, who's Atlanta's power forward, um, a lot of people, there's been a lot of rumors about John Collins. Um, you can go play on the trade machine and figure out what the trade is because there's not that many options to how you figure it out. There's like kind of two or three. Um, Collins is 25 years old. He actually, of all things, I think was born in Utah. Um, he is went to Wake Forest and has been, was a kind of 20th pick of a first round, if I remember correctly, and has been always really solid, very efficient player, uh, has been oft injured. I don't think he's ever played more than 65 games in a season and has always been fairly efficient. Six, nine kind of caught in between being a three and a four. I mean, being a four and a five and being a three and a four. So those, that's the breakdown of, you don't know who he is. I don't think I see that as a win now move in this sense. He's 25 years old. He's got a substantial contract for three more years. He's a piece you're now building in part of your puzzle. He is versatile enough. I think he could play with Lowry, both as Lowry is the three and John is the four. Um, he could also probably play as the four with Lowry as the five. Uh, he is had, he's on a downswing this season, seemingly for whatever strange reason. Um, while he could be, you know, I think could be better you know, he's averaging 13 points a game, used to average 17, shooting 50%, used to shoot 56. Like, there's a bunch of things heading in the wrong direction. You got to figure out why. And you believe you might be able to bring him back. He's shooting 24% from three, used to shoot 36. It seems like he's just really unhappy and in the wrong spot. So, I don't. I mean, I think it would make us a better team. 
uh, hurt us a little bit depending on what we give up. Uh, but I think it is also a case where it might make us better, but I'm not sure it's a, like all chips in. Suddenly that's a sign we're trying to win playoff series and go. I think it's we're trying to put pieces together for the future, and there's a chance that John Collins could be one of them or that John Collins they sees a value. So um, the trade, you know, if particularly if they get a first-round pick, really makes a lot of sense um, in that he's 25 years old. He's on the same timeline as Lowry. He matches the timeline. He's a set contract. He's someone you're taking a look at who probably can get better than what he's performing right now. And I do think he complements, like, your pieces. I think he can play next to, like, right now, I think we have two pieces, right? We have Walker and Lowry. Like, those are the two pieces that you're trying to make sure players can fit around. And, frankly, if you get a player that's better than either of them, then they have to fit around them. So, I think that that John matches. So, I don't see, it's a great question, I don't see it as suddenly our goal is Western Conference Finals or our goal is, like, we're playing Sacramento in the first round of the playoffs. I think Sac, if the season ended today and we acquired John Collins tomorrow, I don't think Sacramento would love that, though, if that makes sense. I don't think that would be, I don't think that would be one where Sacramento would be like, oh, great, they just got John Collins. Um, I think that would be like, oh, shoot, they just got John Collins who can guard Harrison Barnes, which is one of the areas where we had them on a mismatch, and it's a problem. Um, all right, more great questions coming. Uh, Walker Kessler development question, Jordan Clarkson question, and then we also have the Nets tonight we'll talk about. Royce O'Neal return. Royce O'Neal video tribute coming tonight uh, at the arena for Royce's return to the Jazz. Today's show is also brought to you in part by Built Bar. Well, we know the Built Bar well. We have a few of them sitting here. Here's one Built Bar sitting right here. Here's another Built Bar sitting right here. This is an older one. They're both the same, actually. This is cookie dough crunch, and the other one's cookie dough puffs. Uh, they are both, uh, the macros on the Built Bar is what makes them so special. Uh, when you suddenly have 130 calories is all, and you've got all your protein and limited sugar, it's a healthy treat for you that tastes like a candy bar. It is Built Bar with 100% real chocolate. You know you can go to Built.com, use the promo code Locked On and get your 15% off, but you now can get your 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 70 grams of protein. Also at Walmart, you can pick up a 4 box bag uh, bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Or if you're close to a Sam's Club, you can get a 13 bar box with brownie batter and churro. Those are all at Sam's Club and at Walmart, or go to built.com. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen. Game to game, my favorite. I listen to it every day. One minute recaps from all the games, less for the Celtics played last night, so John Krause will go for two. Uh, uh, get an update from all the local experts on last night's game. Here, Cyrus complained about the officials and how the Warriors are disrespected. All the good stuff you get from the lockdown personalities. Uh, it's a game to game. You can grab it on lockdown NBA. All right, let's continue with your fabulous questions and run through as many as we can here before we hit the time limit on the show. When Donovan and Rudy were traded, was the idea of constructing a championship team with that in mind? Should the Jazz buy or sell this year? So. I think what, like, you have to keep to the vision you have. I think, you know, this unexpected success and kind of greatness that we've seen in this fun and this enjoyment is way more fun than being the Houston Rockets. But I think you have to stay to your vision. And your vision is trying to build a championship level. Like, Ryan and Danny were very clear that, like, that's the only thing acceptable is championship level. And then I think you just have to be open to your opportunities and what your timeline is and when things can open up and how things might be able to happen along the way. 
Um, you can look at a bunch of teams that built championship teams and they didn't expect to be on that timeline because either they had bad lottery luck and they had to make a trade or they ended up with a surprise pick like Giannis Adetokounmpo along the way. So you, I think you have to stay with the vision, which is exactly that, building a championship team over time, as we talked about with Conley and Clarkson. But at the same time, you know, if you say you're in a 36-month timetable and then all of a sudden Luka Doncic becomes available at the 12-month mark, you beca- Luka Doncic becomes available at the 12-month mark and you go do something with it. Um, you don't, you don't, oh, well, sorry, we're on a 36-month timeline. Uh, if you were offered, if we offered Beasley, Gay, Brooklyn pick, who's the best player available that we can fit and help the Jazz win this year? Maybe the highest points game player. So I actually just grabbed this because I think it's an interesting, um, so what I think is interesting about this trade is obviously just throwing Rudy Gay in for the sake of it because you don't want Rudy Gay. And you've, I mean, first of all, this feels like you're just doing a little bit, we're going to dump to go get value. So you can't dump to go get value. Like, it doesn't work that way in the league, right? Like, you just don't dump to go get value. You trade Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and you get value. Um, it's not like guys are idiots. And you're not playing fantasy football and you don't have that guy in your league other than the Lakers. Um, so what I thought was interesting about your package, Beasley, Gay, and the Brooklyn pick, is they're actually, it's incongruent. Like, Beasley, there is an argument that we probably should move the Brooklyn pick because you don't really want three first-round draft picks coming onto your roster in one season. Um, you get too young, you can't win. Two, Beasley and the Brooklyn pick are, are not are incongruent. Beasley is to help you win a championship now, and the Brooklyn pick is to help someone who's developing. So, you know, if we're trying to go get someone who's trying, you're sending Beasley to someone right now because they need a shooter, like Cleveland, you're probably not, like, they're, they're trying to win a championship. You're not suddenly getting a player of high value. That's where this gets tricky. When you start to build these trades together, you're not getting like you're not getting someone from Cleveland or you know Minnesota or those are obviously on the top of our mind all the time, but or Denver or Sacramento or one of these teams that's really really good, they're trying to win. They're trying to add to their puzzle and not take back something and not trying to give something up. So it doesn't really work in the way that I, I saw your trade the kind of the trade package you built. And so I thought it was worthwhile to bring that up. Who is the vocal leader of the Jazz team? I think this is a really interesting question. I might even ask this to Will Hardy in the um, in the press conference today of who is his internal leadership. I think actually Will in some ways is that. It kind of always has to be the head coach. Mike Conley is not a vocal leader. He would be an example leader. I think it actually could be Rudy Gay much more than anyone realizes. Um, but I think that's an interesting question. I don't have an answer to, and I may ask that, um, to Will Hardy. I think it's veterans by example. I think it's Jordan's a constant worker trying to improve, takes the craft very seriously. I think it's Mike, a constant worker, and and they've set the tone that we're going to play and work hard every day. And I think that's Will's answer, but I don't know if there's a per se vocal leader. And frankly, vocal leadership might be really overrated in the sense of if you're screaming and yelling at people, they don't want to be around you. What does the average NBA center progression look like compared to Walker Kessler? Also, who is going to be the most improved rookie by the end of the year on the Jazz? Well, we really only have two. So, I mean, Walker and Ochai are both doing great. Um, Will had an interesting point about this concept the other day, and that is that the development happens slowly and in steps. Um, And I think particularly when talking about offensive game and shooting, that you can really destroy a player before you can add a player. If you look at someone like Jonas Valanciunas, who's now taking two threes a game at 36%, which is just enough 
to make sure that you buy the pick and pop and give the offense the possibility. And he's not a great roll big. He's not Walker will probably be a better roll big than him. And frankly, you know, Valanciunas is now averaging 18 points a game. I think the last year is what he averaged. He's averaging 15 this year. He didn't take his three point shots were zero one one zero two seventy four. Um, 91, 57, 157, 78. And he's evolved into a scorer in, in different manners. Like, I think Valanchunas is a really interesting look there. The other one would be Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez comes out of Stanford as the 10th pick of the draft, ton of skills and averages 20 points a game in the old school back-to-the-basket guy. I mean, I think people forget he was a 20-point-a-game guy. He doesn't take double-figure threes in a season until his seventh, sixth year in the league. He goes one for 10. The next year, he goes two of 14. And the next year, he gets he goes he takes 387. And he makes 35%. And that's kind of what he's made for his career. And now he's like sitting in the corner while Giannis and Drew Holiday are playing and you're screwed because you don't know what to do about it. it. These guys developed it in their sixth and seventh year. I don't know that you wait that long in this version of the NBA, but I think that's kind of the incremental steps that you're talking about um, with, so, with, with Walker. I think the more important things are good enough to you know, take advantage of switches, good, good enough to be able to finish around the rim, good enough to be able to run some plays to, um, then add like a 12 footer when necessary, if they leave him open for, for a 15, but you don't want a lot of those anyway. Uh, you've mentioned six, nine ball handlers. It seems we've seen Vando take on that role more. If Vando moves to the bench, we'll see this a lot. Do the T-Wolves use him this way? How does this help him? So he played point guard in high school. Uh, his coaches were Moochie Norris and Rodney McRae, which is a pretty darn good list of coaches. Um, he, uh, impressive. Uh, he is the one guy who rebounds and goes. Um, he's not what I really mean by the 6'9 ball handler. You're not putting him at the top of the key like Paulo Bancaro or Franz Wagner and having them run a pick and roll. Uh, but he does. He is able to lead the break, um, which is nice. Is there any hope for Doak? If KO got traded, I assume he'll find some more minutes, but I'm not convinced he's ready for that. I know it's hard to look at garbage time and looks especially bad. I, I think there's more hope for Doak than there has been. He's worked incredibly hard to get himself ready he is a massively big body. He's done a lot of good things with an increased knowledge of the game when he's played his limited minutes this year. Um, and so I actually think that there's there is there's more hope there than there has been in the past. He's earned that with incredible, incredible work ethic to be able to get ready. Um, so there's more hope in them if we do maybe we do see him for 10 or 15 minutes and try to figure out what you have. Interesting last question of the day. Would you rather have the last 10 years of the Jazz or the Suns? feel like the Jazz run lasted longer, but the Suns had a higher peak by reaching the finals. It's really a good question. I love these. I think these are really fun, trying to evaluate what the entertainment value was. The finals run by the Suns, pretty darn special. Both teams were the number one records in the NBA one year. Both teams fell short. Suns run feels like it's being... Suns feel very much like us last year right now. Like it's just kind of falling apart and it's not necessarily their fault. Um... It's injuries and other stuff, but it does feel like that. But Monty might be able to bring it back together. It's a good question. You guys can debate it amongst yourselves over on YouTube. Have a great one. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Locked on Jazz.